Hello everyone, Dr. Anna Kabeca here on Couch Talk today to just talk about more fun, interesting information and really what's cutting edge in medicine. Today I have a special guest with us that has been an expert really in the nutritional space and functional nutrition and using food as medicine for optimal health. In fact, she has a cookbook that she published in 2016 called Naturally Nourished, Food as Medicine for Optimal Health. And she's recently released her anti-anxiety anxiety diet book. So I'm thrilled to have Allie Miller on with me today. Hey, Allie, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. It's good to have you here. I like to tell our audience yes. about how we've met because totally. I, yeah, we were at KetoCon together and uh, that is a fabulous get together of like-minded people working with empowering um, empowering people through uh, keto programs and and what that really means. And so I met Allie there, and she's had all the integrative and functional aspects of nutrition, of testing you know, uh, analyses through food sensitivities. And I was like, oh, great. And all her <laughs> research oriented and, and just also a fabulous speaker and a fabulous person. So Thank I'm you. glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit more about your and background. We shared, panel. we shared that, uh, I forget what it was called. I think it was just medical expert keto panel. And it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love, actually love the panels and just to hear the different responses or similar responses to the questions that come up. And it's that. Very fun. Yeah. So my background is in uh, naturopathic medicine. So I went to Bestier University outside of Seattle, Washington, and it is one of the only accredited naturopathic colleges of medicine that the American Medical Association acknowledges based on the curriculum and the criteria that they have within their board examination program. So I actually, instead of going the ND or naturopathic doctor route, I went the RD route and became a registered dietitian. And I quickly moved from the Seattle area to uh, Houston, Texas for the Texas Medical Center. And I did all my dietetic rotations and checked off all my boxes. And then I worked for three years for a physician's practice group. And I was their director of integrative medicine. And I predominantly worked there with dysmetabolic syndrome. So we were working with hypertension, hyperlipidemia, so elevated blood pressure, elevated cholesterol levels, and diabetes. And then I also ran a medical weight loss program there where we use the ketogenic diet. And um, I really transitioned the program from what was like a Metafast, very low calorie, very processed powdered shake program into a real food, fat as fuel, <laughs> keto food as medicine program. And then after three years of doing that, I opened my private practice, Naturally Nourished. And I'm in my sixth year of running my clinic. I transitioned last year virtually. I have a two-year-old now. And so it was, uh, I had a five-year lease and I knew once I got pregnant, I was like, I got to figure out something to create this, this bubble. And I know too well, being a functional medicine practitioner, that if you don't feel mentally and emotionally on board with your day-to-day -day lifestyle, and if you feel stressed or distressed or overwhelmed, that you're going to drive yourself off kilter and start to have symptoms of inflammation, start to have chronic disease. And with a personal history of autoimmune disease, I decided I needed to, to bubble wrap. And that was really the premise and I think the, the driving force of putting out my new book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet, because I have found that when I'm looking for root causes, even if I'm addressing leaky gut, 
even if I'm addressing progesterone uh, deficiency or estrogen dominance, or even if I'm addressing toxicity, that really one of the Achilles heels of wellness is anxiety or HPA access imbalance. Yeah, and I think that's exactly a good way to put it, HPA axis imbalance, because we hear like different terms thrown around, adrenal fatigue, burnout, different things like that, and really it comes down to our HPA axis. I always throw in the gonads too, HPA G axis, right? And T, and thyroid. And T, HPA TG axis. It just gets really chunky then though. It does, it's a really long, but we imply them when we say HPA axis, because every organ interacts with every other organ. It's like being in a community, you all interact together and being in a family, right? Everyone has a different voice, but when they work together as a family, as a unit, there's harmony. When they're not, there's disharmony. And so that's how our hormones work too. And and that's what, when our body's not working well together, we get that disharmony and we get that um, anxiety, depression, the mood disorder. So I want to address that. Let's, let's go into that. And I love your book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. And it's so important. It puts forth so many really uh, great points and premises that we have to take to heart. So let's talk a little bit about anxiety and, and how we get that because it's definitely a part of a woman's life, a man's life, anyone's life yes. at some point or another, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and I think, unfortunately, we consider, and, and maybe this is my personal perception, but I see clinically, when I'm doing my initial consultation with a client, I'm spending the first 60 minutes of that 90 minutes just being an investigative researcher or really kind of questioning all of their symptoms, all of their levels of dysfunction. And often they leave that initial session knowing themselves more than they came in because they don't even think about these things. And when I ask people about stress, most people say moderate to low. And then you start asking them specific symptoms of mismanaged stress, like, do you clench your jaw? Oh yeah, I wear a night guard. Or um, do you have disrupted sleep patterns? Oh yeah, I'm constantly waking up and having rumination. Or Do you have racing thoughts and anticipatory distress? Do you deal with heart palpitations? Do you have body temperature changes? Are you dealing with fatigue? I mean, you go through then the rigmarole and it's like, check, 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 check. Well, whether you want to deem it anxiety or unmanaged stress uh, or chronic stress demand that you don't have the tools to be resilient with, I think that my book is a great fit. And, And we really go into it with that mindset of, Beyond those of us that want to coin or, or, or label the term anxiety, that we want to, or I, I suppose it's just me, <laughs> I want to ensure that I'm really giving you the tools in your tool belt for the chronic stress and the multi-hats that we're wearing. We also, as a society, have this demand and this kind of award mechanism of you should be a working mother, you should be wearing 12 different hats and doing 12 different things, and you just you just do it. This is just aging, this is just normal. Um, and I think that little white flag of surrender often comes up with the defeat of the body, and, and my goal is to provide you to be more resilient, truly. Well, I think one that brings up a great point is that all the numbers of hats we wear, I always tell women, we can have it all, just not at the same time, but isn't it just <laughs> as rewarding if we can look back on our lives from some point and say, oh yeah, I had that. Oh yeah, I yeah. had that. I had it fully, right? And yes. and to be able to have that perspective like you're doing now, you've, you've created a bubble so that you can be a mom and, and take also your business and message in another way, right? Yes. And you're defining your purpose. The other thing that you mentioned was really important is that we don't know 
um, what's not normal if we experience it as our normal, right? right. right. <laughs> so like that whole idea of, um, yeah, no, I wear a night guard. Well, as you know, doesn't other people, I mean, isn't that normal? No, that's right. not normal. Right. Right. I always find that when I ask clients, well, are you constipated? Oh no, I have a bowel movement once every week. I'm okay. That's constipated. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, right so right. we don't know what's not normal if it's our normal and that's sure. really important. Sure. to bring that. So let's talk about the anxiety and stress yeah. and resilience. And, sure. and let's go, you've mentioned some of the symptoms of anxiety, like um, just not being able to sleep, clenching your teeth. Let's talk about more symptoms. How does a woman know or a man know they have anxiety? Sure. So I think I, I often try to kind of classify in the individual if they're dealing with more anticipatory what ifs and list making and over second checking and hypervigilance, I call it, uh, or if they're dealing with rumination and anxiety. And it can be on both ends of the spectrum of that anticipatory distress or that reflective, over, over sensitive, overreactive. And um, those are the primary mental influences is the, the kind of questioning, the, the over rumination. And I often say rumination leads to bloat, uh, just like in a cow. And, and it's really true. Um, so my book goes into six different foundational R's, which are root causes of dysfunction in the body that drive and manifest anxiety, but it also discusses with up-to-date clinical research and, and peer-reviewed studies on how anxiety or HPA access imbalance can drive dysfunction in that same area. So just looking at leaky gut, for instance, we use a marker secretory IgA. And so secretory IgA can be measured in the saliva and it can be measured in the blood and it can be measured in the stool. Um, and when we see this value elevated, that's usually seen in acute stress. And, and the body does this with almost everything where it goes hyper before it kind of crashes. So, you know, we go into this high secretory IgA if the body perceives a battle um, or if the body is actually battling a pathogen or a bad bacteria strain. And then over time, we start to see that secretory IgA totally deplete and, and plummet. And that's when we start to see leaky gut. And we've seen in research that social anxiety, uh, they've done studies on people at parties, new social environments, public speaking, secretory IgA levels go up super, super high. So it's like an acute stressor. And I equate that to stress drilling holes in the gut, independent of your diet. You could be eating an AIP protocol and it could be your vigilance of perfection of the diet that is perpetuating your leaky gut. Um, and so it's a really well, and then, and then leaky gut allows more inflammatory chemical mediator action, which crosses the blood-brain barrier and interferes with our neurotransmitters and perpetuates anxiety. And so it's just this, I mean, all of the R's of my entry points do that dance of chicken and egg. And so I try to give the reader a quiz in each chapter to determine which area they want to focus the most energy and effort and which area they may want to focus on strategic supplementation support and maybe do some advanced functional labs whereas every chapter they can incorporate the food as medicine strategy um, but everyone's going to have their own unique entry point in the premises of, of what i see as foundational causes i think it's important to recognize too that you know one thing you mentioned was aip protocol so the autoimmune protocol so very stringent very um, restrictive nutritional protocol, very good, right? So even in those instances, stress can overpower it. It's like that constant barrage that opens yes. up essentially 
the uh, breaks down the fence to your to your gate, right to your to your garden, and that causes that intrusion or that leaky gut. But how important the gut is? Let's spend a moment on this. On sure. how important the gut is in providing serotonin or our anti-anxiety yeah. neurotransmitter. And let's let's talk about yeah. that for a minute. Yeah. So I, I beyond the the role of gut intestinal enteropathy or leaky gut. I talk about rebalancing or restoring your microbiome because on both ends of the spectrum, again, um, the good strains that we know of, the lactobacillus and bifido, are the two strains that we've seen in clinical research to help to manufacture serotonin and GABA. And those are our serotonin's more popular, I think, because of the SSRI drug family. But GABA truly is a huge influencer of anti-anxiety influence, whereas serotonin has anti-anxiety effects and mood-stabilizing effects. GABA has more of the physiological influence of stress effects as far as like tremors, shakiness, shortness of breath. I think of GABA as a great tool when we're public speaking or flying on an airplane or going to parent-teacher conferences, <laughs> whatever it is that gets us a little bit wound up physiologically in that stress response. And so when the biome is in a symbiotic state, um, which means a good balance of gut bacteria, and it has a good expression of lacto and bifido, we're manufacturing about 90% of our serotonin and GABA in that GI tract. And then we're calling that our enteric nervous system. So that is the second brain of the body. And that compound is able to uh, contribute back and forth with our central nervous system in our brain. And then GABA and serotonin also have influence on receptors outside of the brain. And this is where we tie like fibromyalgia to low serotonin levels, um, the kind of systemic aching and, and uh, tenderness in the fascia and the tissue can be due to low serotonin. And then, like I said, the low GABA can drive more of the tremors. And that's what we see to an extreme state with like Parkinson's disease. Um, so having a good symbiotic gut is a big piece of production of the good neurotransmitters. And then comes the chicken and egg. If we're in a dysbiotic state or we have imbalanced gut bacteria, especially if we have harmful bugs like pathogens like Klebsiella or Citrobacter and the Citrobacter frundi, um, these strains actually increase our epinephrine, um, which is the bells and whistles of our alarm system, which drives panic, anxiety, elevated blood pressure, and more of this kind of fight or flight response in the body. Yeah, no, I think that's so important to differentiate too. So when we're talking, like, let, let's talk about our common treatment for anxiety, right? Like, what, what would we as prescribers, what were we trained to write when we have someone with anxiety? It's the SSRI. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, and, and the new kid on the SSRNIs. <laughs> SSRNIs, right? Let's just add so, them all in there, right? Yes, Let's talk yes. about what that is and what that means. And Sure. So, you know, in allopathic or conventional medicine, we start right at neurotransmitters as the focus of anxiety. So, and that's really, I think, what's important for viewers and listeners to understand is that the difference of how we approach a, a client or a case when you're looking at it with functional integrated medicine, it's not just the what needs to be changed. It's the why is dysfunction occurring and how do we resolve from the root? So rather than just starting with, which I do work with neurotransmitters and neurotransmitter testing, but rather than starting with something that works on a receptor level and a feedback mechanism, I think it's first important to understand 
is that individual deficient in this X, Y, or Z neurotransmitter? Are they excess in a different neurotransmitter? So we can be strategic in if we have to harness and lower something. Like if someone's high epinephrine, I'm going to drive with L-theanine, and I'm going to drive with nervine herbs, and I'm going to work with potentially considering a stool test to look if we have to do a gut cleanse because we might need to plow their gut biome to reseed the good. Um, and you know that's why, unfortunately, when we work blind with a prescription and we just are throwing Zoloft and Cymbalta and, and, and these different medications without even looking why, we're just using symptoms um, to prescribe medications, we might be throwing a dart at completely the wrong target. And that's unfortunately why we don't get the best outcomes. I mean, we see in research, from the 1940s, we don't have any improvement in treatment of anxiety and depression, and all of these new drugs keep being developed, but they're missing the mark is truly what I feel. Yeah, they're not addressing the underlying root cause. And when you talk about like plowing the field, it's, for example, treating SIBO, small intestinal bowel overgrowth, because it's really important to understand we're not going to throw more. We've really got to cleanse the system. And so yes. how did keto, how did our keto approach, you know, I got my keto green or keto alkaline approach, how did um, you start using that in in the work with anxiety as well so so two parts so yes totally bad bacteria or dysbiotic bacteria whether it's candidiasis like yeast overgrowth and it's varied strains or whether it's SIBO or whether it's a dysbiotic bug in the large intestine all of these bad bacteria strains and yeast strains feed off of sugar. Um, and, you know, we've seen this in, in like uh, elementary science classes or even if you've ever baked bread. You know, how do you activate yeast? You add sugar and water and it goes crazy. Um, and so we know that dysbiotic flora thrive in sugar. And so when you reduce your sugar intake in the diet and then you take it a step further to actually reduce carbohydrate um, intake in the diet, my gut cleanses are at 60 grams of carbs or less. So that individual may or may not be ketogenic, but they're going to be low carbohydrate. They're going to be yeast free and they're going to be very limited on their use of vinegar and prebiotic fibers and probiotics in the beginning so that we can kind of create that sterilizing and plowing with strategic antifungal and antibacterial natural agents. And then, you know, so that's one thing is not feeding the beast, if you will. Um, and then really the, the actual production of ketone bodies themselves have such magnificent function on the brain. And, you know, so back from what we've researched with the influence of epilepsy and then being able to reduce excitatory nerve impulse and activity that drives seizure, ketones can actually help to sit on the brain receptors and give us a very grounded mood stabilizing influence and then if we have weight to lose and we're using fat as fuel that can help with our sexual hormone balance as well um, so there's so many factors on how keto can help because even if we're dealing with estrogen dominance we know that low progesterone drives anxiety and so there's just so many pieces and um, i think personally when when i am in a ketogenic state which is how i live um i just feel really even keeled and less erratic and i sleep better and my thought process is is much more clear i'm on a high octane fuel is how i describe it to people <laughs> that's a good example so with that what is a day in your nutritional life me personally like what did i yeah. yesterday Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. I have to work my memory muscles. Um, so I, I usually, when I'm in clinic, um, I eat, and, and so I see patients 
three to four days a week. And so I'm still seeing about 20 clients a, a week. Um, and I do this work all virtually, but I like to eat in bookends. And so for me, what that means is that I like to eat most of my calories in the morning and in the evening. Um, and I think it's predominantly because when I'm under high stress and I'm rocking and rolling during the day, I know my digestive enzymes are suppressed and food doesn't sit very well in my belly in the, in the middle of the day. So I do a really kind of funky fasting model where I'll eat like two to three eggs, half an avocado, um, maybe some kale chips with that or some kimchi on the side and probably also some other protein like some uh, pasture raised bacon or a sausage or something like that. And that's my breakfast. Um, and I drink lemon water prior to that. And then at around 10 a.m., I'll do like maybe a little bit of fat in matcha or a cold brew coffee. Um, and if I do coffee, I like to add CBD to my coffee to help with that excitatory output of the caffeine. Matcha, I find I don't need to, so I use just uh, coconut oil or ghee. And then midday, I may also do like a smoothie of sorts um, or something light. I might just eat frozen macadamia nuts or a fat bomb pack. And then dinner is going to be another like 700, 800 calories where I'm going to do uh, like last night was a grass fed burger patty. I had more avocado roasted Brussels sprouts and um, curry roasted cauliflower. Sounds delicious. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and I think that's key, which you just outlined and so helpful. I love to ask clients clients that and, and my guests because you know how you've learned to work with your body and your stress level right a Sunday might be a little different yes. so during this uh, work day how you're accommodating your keto you know getting into ketosis knowing that you need that high brain function to sustain mm -hmm. you and also know where you're where you need additional support to sustain you so I think yes. it's really cool are you a rapid caffeine metabolizer is that why the caffeine in the coffee sometimes excites you yeah. yeah, for me, no, not at all. So no worries there. But I love how you figure that out. And I think this is the tweaking that our, you know, our, our guests, our listeners will appreciate as you learn, right? You continue to learn and, and find out what works for you. And as you are able to lift off the cloud, right, the carbohydrate cloud, as you're, or the glucose or brain fog cloud, you're liberated from that, you have the better ability to discern what is working for you versus what is working against yes. you. So Ali, yes. yeah, thank you. I put you on the spot there. I didn't tell you that I was going to no, ask no. that. So thank and the you weekends for I do, In the weekends, I do a classic 16-8 um, and I do my fatty coffee and I take my daughter to the farmer's market and that works really well because then we break fast at noon and have a beautiful brunch from what we picked up from the market and that's great. Um, but I think that's a great point you make. You know, I always say one of my mantras is, doctrine creates disconnect. And so you go into any new program, any new plan with rules and guidelines, and you start to feel better, which is wonderful because going from terrible to mediocre isn't a very big change. But once you get to feeling awesome, then you can start to tweak the mediocre and then you can get the kind of thrive high gear zone. And like you said, that's that individualized approach of, okay, I realize when I'm stressed, a kale salad and salmon doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> and so I can't be munching on that between clients because I'm not going to appropriately chew and I'm not going to appropriately break things down. I think that's beautifully well said. I love that. I love that you said that. So share with us a little bit more about your book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. You said that you've customized it, the six R's. Tell us what those six R's are. So, then, sure. So it's yeah. reducing inflammation. And so I go through the five 
primary pro-inflammatory foods. And within that, the fifth food is sugar. Um, and so I eliminate corn, soy. I do eliminate dairy because of the casein protein. And then I talk about kind of within that world, pros and cons and considerations after 12 weeks of removal. Um, so corn, soy, dairy, gluten, and then sugar. And um, within the sugar, I talk about removing excess carbs and transitioning into keto. And then the next R is looking at um, repairing leaky gut. The following R is restoring that gut microbiome. The next R is um, rebounding your micronutrient status. So we talk about mood stabilizing minerals. We talk about the role of B vitamins and methylation and, and various amino acids that actually are building blocks for our neurotransmitters. And then the final two R's are focused on the adrenals and we end with neurotransmitters. So it's again, kind of more upstream versus that downstream swing of just starting right away with the brain chemicals. And then um, my book encompasses all this with the last chapter, which ties it all together into a program, gives you a two week meal plan. And I break things down into phase one ketogenic and phase two low glycemic. And I give people options of whether you want to do keto for the first three months as a reboot and then transition, whether you want to cyclically use keto. Um, and that's what I personally do. I carb cycle four times a month based on my sexual hormones, um, or whether you want to stay tight keto. And I give you guidance on what's going to work for you and things to look for as feedback within your body. Oh, and I love that in your book, you have great desserts like walnut, yes. maca, caramels. You know, I'm a big maca fan. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you have your walnut. We have to try it with Mighty Maca. So we'll make them. Yes. Well, yes. I'll use that recipe. I'll let you know how it goes. And, and love. <laughs> yeah, and just good, healthy options for you and, and fun recipes and, you know, the slow cooker carnitas and just yes. different things like that that you've thrown into your book too. We always love that those, you yeah. know, those recipes. I try, and I try to with each recipe open with a food is medicine focus. So, you know, what was the strategy of this synergy of ingredients in this recipe so that the reader can be empowered by that and beyond making a tasty dish, they can use that information and apply that with their selection and, you know, their day-to-day -day intake, as well as other recipes they'll try. So they might really hone in on a particular ingredient like maca to a new user and um, then find out about a bunch of different products and how that, that compound feels in their body. Exactly. And I love that you put that in there because that's like the story with the recipe. And yes. that makes us more inclined to follow it or remember it too. So I love that you yes. did that. Thank you. That's or awesome. All right. Tell dinner party. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but tell our listeners how they can get your book and also learn more about you. So um, everything is available on AllieMillerRD.com. So I have a lot of virtual programs. I have a food as medicine ketogenic program, which is a 12-week program. Um, and then I also have a beat the bloat candida and dysbiotic cleanse on there. And then I have my anti-anxiety diet book as well as the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. And the anti-anxiety diet is available at Barnes & Noble, uh, IndieBound, Target. Um, we are just, it just launched, so we're just figuring out all of our sourcing, but it should be pretty widely available where books are sold. 
And definitely AllieMillerRD.com, A-L-I-M-I-L-L-E-R-R-D.com. So we've got your website there and we'll have links below to also some resources. And I I just want to thank you for being my guest on my show today. And I look forward to good success with your book. And just like end with what is one thing in your day that you absolutely must do to have a good day? Uh, take adaptogens. <laughs> <laughs> maca. We have I would love maca. to say breathe or something like that, a little more hippie zen, but it's take adaptogens. Uh, so yes, I'm a huge fan of maca. I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha, and I'm a huge fan of cordyceps and rhodiola and ginseng. And because I do wear many hats, I am all about that bubble wrap, girl. So I'm just layering, 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 and giving myself the resilience I can so I can... <laughs> Superhuman status. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And for our listeners, please share this. This is valuable information. Check out Allie's book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. And also comment on iTunes. Please give us a rating and refer this to your friend. It's so much helpful information in the anti-anxiety diet book. So happy to promote it. Thank awesome. you all for thank listening. You. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Bye-bye.